Welcome to the Gym Life Podcast. Welcome everyone to the Gym Life Podcast. My name is Mike McElaine. Um, I'm actually super excited to do this podcast with one of my longest friends in the industry, Mr. Gunnar Peterson. Gunnar, welcome, bro. Man, this is not work. This is not a podcast. This is just talking with somebody, one of the few that I know and trust in this industry. So I'm fired up to be here. Oh, man, me too. Awesome. So where are you at right now? Because you uh, obviously you were L.A. based and it looks like you have your new digs in the background. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I was L.A. based for 35 years, um, training for 31 of those. And I'm here in Nashville now where I've been for uh, eight and a half months. And I've had the gym open for almost six months. So we were uh, almost right on schedule. I think we're about a month off. And I'm doing an extension to it now. So there'll be, you know, more, bigger, better. Uh, let's see how well this goes. Maybe there can be a, a sequel to it. You know, I, I, I saw on social media, I was telling Jim the other day, I said, dude, I said, Gunner just opened up that place and already he has packed it full of shit. Like, I mean, it's, I mean, good shit, but I was like, I have, I have 10 40 foot containers sitting outside on the property ready to put into another structure. But because, you know, you get all four seasons in Nashville and sometimes you get all four seasons in, in four days. So I can't take it all out and spread it around the parking lot and figure out, you know, my four piles of restore garbage, uh, storage or put to immediate use, but I will once I get the structure built. So uh, it's not, this is not full by, I'm fighting my nature. I'm fighting my instinct of putting everything two inches apart. I've got at least like a foot between all pieces of uh, equipment here. Yeah. So for those of you guys who are going to watch this, um, so I'm very familiar with Gunner's um, original place in Beverly Hills. It was the most, it was like the, if there's a, if there's a picture of organized fitness chaos it was that i mean every at every inch of you had like five thousand square feet down there was full but completely usable clean organized it it just i i i, didn't, I, I was like i don't know if i'm in like a sales room to like sell fitness equipment because you had everything i didn't even think you had the thigh master in your uh did, did you have a tug toner too yeah like the tug toner didn't you I have the uh, I had a shake weight and a thigh master, both of them. Because, by the way, you have to know where you came from. You have to pay respect to history. The things that got you where you are, you know, you you can't deny that those things were valid in our industry. And there, are a couple of people made a lot of money and retired on those, and are you know their biggest concern right now is should I turn over while I'm sunbathing? <laughs> That's awesome. It's so true. So, well, you know, talking about like the history of certain things, um, I, I think it's kind of cool because you have been so well known in the fitness industry, but I always like just giving people the opportunity to talk a little about themselves first. I know you don't like doing that, um, but I'm going to force you to do it. So uh, I, trust me, guys, he, Gunner does not like talking about himself at all it's it's kind of a weird thing but uh, well, i had i had an nfl quarterback who told me years ago it's always better if somebody else says it about you and i think uh, i i can't agree with that more i just step back and go people can say what they want good or bad and it's easy if you just don't say anything and just keep doing so um well yeah. I've been around a long time, so when you say, you know, talk about yourself and your past, you go, how far back do you go? In first grade, I did this. I love when people give those stories. My first job ever, and you go, oh, my gosh, how much time are we going to take on this? Well, let's, let's start here. So, obviously, you, you're, you're, I think anybody in the fitness space who wants to pursue a, a fitness career, there's a couple of options. But when you look at the personal training, um, specialized training, I guess, uh, vertical – Gunner's at the very top. Like you, anybody who is an aspiring trainer who actually works with clients, who's working with athletes, who's working with celebrities or whomever, I think you you're at like the top of that scale in terms of career and goals. And so, I, I guess my question is, how did you start pursuing that to kind of lead you? And I know there's a many different paths that kind of led you to where you're you are today and what you're doing today. But what was kind of like, what led you into like the personal training? Like what was the, 
was the aspiring things that kind of like forced your hand to be like, you know, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to build my career here. Uh, the personal training happened by accident. Somebody asked me if they could train with me and I misunderstood that meaning they wanted to be a workout partner when in fact they wanted me as a trainer. Um, so I sort of, so I sort of back, backed into that a little bit, but I had a friend who said immediately, dude, you should definitely do that. You love doing that. That's like your thing. That could be cool for you. And, and I did very 80 speak. Uh, and I did. And, um, after a few weeks of doing it with that guy, plus somebody else referred by him, plus a woman in the evenings, I, I, I bookended my regular job with that. And I realized I was making more money training three people three times a week than I was at the job for 40 hours a week. So I quit the job. So that was that. In terms of the, the, the more specialty stuff of, of the tier of clientele I ended up having and still have, um, that is largely due to where I was, right? So I was in the heart of Beverly Hills. You know, that's where that demographic resides. So, you know, people who want to do that, the first thing I will tell you is, is if you have a target demographic, which I didn't, that started on accident too. But then over time, I realized that that's, I was thriving in that and I enjoyed being around high achievers and people who push themselves and people who really don't have to, but want to, uh, or almost need to. So, so I, I tightened it up and made it, uh, I tried to make myself the natural go-to place. I wanted them to think of, I have to train, I have to do this to go to the next level in my life, I have to have that guy. I wanted those thoughts to, to happen simultaneously. So I think if you have a target demographic, whether it's you wanna work with um, a certain vocation, whether it's celebrities, entertainers, athletes, children, the elderly, uh, morbidly obese, um, uh, rehabilitative, whatever yours, put yourself in a place geographically where you're a logical destination. Um, the people who want to do this, but are calling from a place, you know, I want to, the people I know want to work with an elderly population and they're working in a downtown metropolis where that doesn't exist. It's people in there. It's, it's people up and coming in their thirties and, and, you know, late twenties, thirties and forties, you go, but that's not your demographic. Yeah. But they'll come to me because I'm known for this. And I go, they won't. You have to go to them or at least put yourself within close proximity. So that's more how I did it. That's more how it came to be. So, so did you know because you were in Beverly Hills that you wanted to work with some of the high end clientele like the celebrities and the athletes? Because, you know, it, Gunner, I will say this, doesn't like to talk about who he trains. But let's just put it to you this way. I'm going to leave it for him to even, you know, uh, signal to who he does. But he tra he's trained the highest level types of people that you were brought anybody who's fit in Hollywood guarantee they've walked into Gunner's place and spent time with him. Um, but I didn't, yeah. but I didn't set out to work with that. But as I, as those people started coming to me, uh, it was apparent to me that gosh, these people are so driven. That's right. how I feel in my field. They're so driven in their field. That's a good match. They're going to, you know, the people who don't really want to do it or come in because their spouse sent them or the doctor said you should probably, you know, get a hold. Your weight's starting to spiral. You really need to be serious about your health. I don't want those people. I want the people who are who are cranking away at life and trying to find a way to make their fitness fit into their already busy lifestyle and take their fitness from the from the 80, 85 percent to the hundred percent. That's I love that demographic. That just suits me. I'm I'm wound like that, and I like to be around people like that. So it was a good fit. Other people I know. I, I had a kid who worked at my facility for a while, and he left on on very good terms. He said, "Hey, I think it's time for me to do my own thing." And I said, "Okay. I mean, it's tough. You know, it's a different job, trainer to gym owner. If I've done it, anybody can do it. But it doesn't." Don't don't think that because you're a great trainer, you're going to be a successful gym owner. There are a lot of gym owners who fail miserably as trainers. There are a lot of trainers who fail miserably as gym owners. So when I went to his gym um, after he had opened it and I noticed that there were he, he was missing a few things I would consider key elements to a gym. And I said, you don't have a barbell in here. And he said, he goes, dude, I'm I'm so tired of loading weights on and off. I go, but it's it's hard to train like fundamental movement patterns and to work with like the athletes and that demographic. He goes, I don't want to train athletes. He goes way too much work. And I said, but even you know, people who are looking to, to work with it, 
even a soup kitchen has a fork. Like you gotta have, it's a basic tool. And he goes, I don't want anything to do with those people. So I thought he's kind of placing himself outside of that market, but he did it eyes wide open. So, okay. I mean, it's not, it's not what I would do. I want to take all comers, all hard workers. I don't just want celebrities or athletes. I want anybody who's top of their field who want to push the envelope in their field. You know, it's interesting you talk about um, some of the different people who you've had in and, you know, guys who've worked with them. Because I've been down there uh, at your place many times throughout the years and have noticed that about you. And one thing that I always found interesting and um, – was you had all these people every time it would be down there, you always had somebody in there who was trying to like, you know, figure out the, the word or the, or, or the advice you could give them to, to be successful. But then for them to be successful, they're literally going to be your competitor to some degree. Right. Like I, I, I've so seen- I look at that and I go in, in the, in that LA market, there's 17 million people. So are we really competing or, or even with the, with the crazy number of, of people in health and wellness there, there's still enough um, potential clients or, or, or takers that we should all be doing just fine. So I never looked at it like competition. I think that's cool if someone comes under you. Some of the people that were under me, the way they left was, you know, shady and, and, and you know, actually doesn't deserve airtime. But, but guys like the one I'm talking to, he left, he was fine. He said, I think it's my time to do my own thing. I respect that. You know, great uh, sitcoms. Great sitcoms have spinoffs that sometimes go on to be more successful than the sitcom itself. So, I, I say that's great, and if I can help, and I still refer clients to them and, and everything. So, I don't look at that as creating my own competition. I look at that as I get better because those people are around, and those people, those trainers, sought me out. I'm going to learn something from them. If you think you know everything in your industry, that's the beginning of the end for you. You know, one of the things that. I tell a lot of people, I heard you one time talk about this. Um, It was the best analogy that I've used um, even in my own career in business. Um, And it wasn't that long ago. So I've actually kind of really adopted it and I'm going to kind of hit towards it and let you take it from here. But you said something about if you owned a hotel, how you would run that hotel. Can you talk, can you just, Go into that because to, to me, I think that anybody who's doing anything in life, whether they own their own business, whether they're working for somebody, uh, whether they hate their job, whatever, this bit of advice that I heard you talk about on another podcast was probably one of the most impactful things that has stuck with me. And I think it was probably about two years ago, you said or so. And I talk about it every day to my guys here. Can you can you touch on that if you own a hotel? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, of course. It's uh, it's actually what you, what you're hitting on it. You're hitting the right. You're hitting the right thing. It's it's not just for hotels. It's for any business. You have to know the the demographic, the target that you're trying to appeal to. And I said, it, it, if you're a hotel chain, let's go. Four Seasons, Ritz Carlton, Mandarin. Then let's let's go down a tier. No disrespect, and hear me out on that. Hyatt, Hyatt, Hilton, Marriott. Then let's go down a tier. Best Western, Holiday, and that's like all of those are very successful chains, franchises. All of those, the creators, the founders, the CEOs, the respective franchisees do well. But they are all. When I say each one, it conjures up an image you know exactly what to expect price wise uh reception wise meaning how you're received not just the reception desk um uh the look of the place you the the level of service it all it all conjures up a very uh concrete image so the same with the training who are you who do you want to train and are you positioning yourself to do that geographically i touched on that but the way you present yourself, the way your facility looks when, when people walk in from, from, from the lighting to the sound, to the smell, uh, to the number of people. I know what I want to put out there because I know who I'm trying to draw and I want them to walk in and go, yes. Yeah. Right. Like I have contacts here in Nashville who've talked to me about reaching out to, to certain, uh, high profile Nashville people. And I go, don't do that yet. I'm not ready. And they go, but I've seen your gym. It looks like it's dialed. It is, but it's not where I want it to be. And I don't want anybody to walk in here and go, oh, this is cool. I want people to walk in here and go, wow. And I'm not 
I'm not at wow yet for the way I want to do it. When I build my my when I build this extension and I finish that and I empty the containers and they're gone and the space is cleared and we've done the, the outdoor facility the way we're going to do it, no problem. I'll, I'll take all comers. But right now I'm still like cruising along just under the radar. So you have to know who you're targeting. You got to know who you want to target, then who and where those people are, and then how to target them. Because it's a different marketing approach for all three of those levels. And that, you know, call it small, medium, large, or however you want to term it so nobody takes offense. But you have to you have to give that a good think, right? That's not just going to happen. You don't you don't by accident uh, draw certain people. You do it maybe in the beginning you do, but over time you position yourself to have that type of uh, loyal following, and that's what you want in any business. That being said, one of the things you said to me was about the service that you provide based on you know there's an expectation of service that you're going to get when you're at this level, this level, this level. One of the things you said to me that, or excuse me, that I heard you say was, and I thought it was the greatest, greatest thing that you said. You said, if I own my own hotel, I charge whatever I want, but I would make the mini bar free yep. and I would allow you to take the robes, the towels, whatever you want. Like, kind of like explain that a little bit because I, because I think that is just such a good piece of advice for how you run yourself or anything that is an extension of yourself, whether it's your own business or anything like that, like the service aspect, right? Well, so look, you're, you, as a trainer, forget gym owner, but as a trainer, you're in a service industry. I'm going to set my price point such that I, I don't have to nickel and dime you. I'm not going to charge you for drinks. I'm not going to charge you for towels. That's going to, that there's going to be, you know, there are going to be towels and drinks aplenty. I'm, I'm never going to be that guy. I'm going to have a, a little pre-workout thing. I had a girl this morning and she's like, oh my God, I need this morning. And I said, grab a split. Bang. Took that right away. She had, she had a bio steel in between and she takes a gym protein shake on the way out of here. I am never going to charge her, you know, $3, $2. I'm never going to do that because my price point is such that I can absorb all that. She's not going to do that every time, right. but she may do that twice in four workouts. That's great. If I'm running a, an airline, I'm going to have all the drinks and all the food be free. I'm going to have all the entertainment be free. Another one, a new peeve of mine is having to log on to Wi-Fi on an airline and pay eight bucks, 20 bucks. Do you want it for an hour? Do you want it for two hours? Do you want it for the duration of the flight? It makes me crazy. I want to go bill that into my ticket price so I can go on the whole time and call it free Wi-Fi. It's not free. We know that. This stuff here is not free. It's all included in the price. So so I don't keep upcharging when it's round numbers and people feel comfortable with that and you don't look like you're you don't look cheap. So the hotels, same thing. The mini bar would be free. And I know there are gonna be those bozos that, you know, sweep the contents of the mini bar into their carry-on bag and leave and feel like they got over on the hotel staff. But there are also gonna be people who don't touch it. And, right. and I'm gonna make my nightly room charge just a little bit more so that long term i still come out where i want to come out you know profit wise and, and and but that's also for my clientele other people may say yeah but then your your hourly rate or your nightly rate in a hotel not hourly rate in a hotel that's a different kind of hotel from what i hear uh but your your nightly rate in a hotel is going to be too high I, I disagree i don't think it's going to be that high i think you could run the study it, within your franchise, how many people take that? Where do we net out on that? Okay, they take an average of $16. So book the room $21 higher. You're going to come out long-term better. Right. And that's just how I do it. I Because personally, I don't like to be nickel and dime. Right. You know, if it's a $100 room, I want it to say $100. I don't want it to say 108 because you took the water and you used the slippers. I, that That's annoying to me. I feel like you you hooked me. You left the water there and you put the slippers out. I just assumed they were for me. <laughs> no, it's true. And I think that with 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 having your own brand and such that it's it's a personal thing because it's you. You are your own brand. The service aspect of anything that you're selling has to come like with with white gloves, in my opinion. And that's that's the way that I've tried to obviously run this organization. And I know you've done the same thing. It's like the level of treatment and the service that you give your audience. It's okay to have that premium 
price as long as people know that they're going to get something of value. Um, and, but, and for you, but for you, the product is the product. I assume when I see Dr. Jim Stepani, I know we are top shelf. I right. know what that's going to cost. Okay, right. great. So I'm going to get the product. I'm going to absorb that cost. But then on, on, in addition to that, I get access to a Q and a, or I get Jim's tips on, on Instagram, but then there's a paywall that you go behind, but maybe it's not a paywall. If I'm a patron of the right. company and I buy the products, I get more access to more information so that I use the product properly. And so that outside of products, my training goes up. So now I'm benefiting in another sphere of my life. That's what I expect from gym supplements and not from XYZ supplements, which I'm probably not going to get anyway. So, so I like knowing that you guys are at the level, you're at the standard. I want people to come in here and go, I know this guy's workouts are going to be good because he does workouts for a living, right? right? The restaurant. I know the food's good. My Lord, you're in business to sell food. Somebody backed you. You put all your own savings into it. I know the food is good, but what's my experience? What's the parking lot? How am I, how am I welcomed when I walk in? I've been there 10 times. Does anybody remember my name? Do they remember my drink order? That kind of thing. Right. It's the level of service. What type of it? So if somebody's trying to pursue a career in the personal training thing, I mean, because I think there, there's a lot of guys who I know in the industry too, and they all know who you are, of course. And um, so they're always trying to pick my brain to say, well, what do you think Gunner would suggest here? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not Gunner, you know, but what would be some of like the top three things that you could, that you could suggest, you know, cause for instance, I, we have it, we have a guy right now um, who comes in here all the time. His name's Tommy Costello. He's 25 years old, a really great kid. He played, uh, he played ball at uh, University of Washington. He works with a lot of uh, some of these major league guys and stuff. Um, but, you know, he's kind of pursuing his path to, uh, to, to become, you know, a, a really kind of elite type of a trainer. And so he's, he, I think he would be, you know, he'd, he'd be very excited to have a conversation with you. What would be like some of the advice for a kid like that who's trying to work his career into doing, you know, kind of not necessarily following your exact footsteps, but following that career path with you. What are some of the things that you would say to a kid like that? I mean, some of them are so basic and people go, well, you really didn't tell me anything I don't know. And I said, maybe I didn't tell you something you don't know, but I definitely told you something you don't do. Be, you know, obviously like uh, <laughs> respond to emails, texts, and phone calls in a timely manner and make it known that you do that. Make that you know, people always say, you always answer your phone. Yeah, I always answer my phone. When people don't answer their phone, what are you hiding from? Answer the phone. If you pay your bills and you're responsible and you're not leading some kind of Tommy Two Lives second thing there, answer your phone. You can always say, hey, I want to answer because I don't want you to think I'm hiding for anything, but I got to call you back or let's speak next Tuesday. You can do that. Um, answer text. Even if at the end of the night, sometimes I go through and I've missed six texts, I'll write back. I owe you a text. Couldn't get to this today. I'll hit you tomorrow. Right. Because just to leave somebody hanging, I'll have people go, but you don't owe them that. No, I don't owe them. But to me, that's common courtesy, right? You're not going to leave anybody hanging. Uh, I would also say, make sure you keep learning. You know, you don't know it all. I will go to Sorenex Summer Strong Conference this year because I may pick up two things. I will, uh, I presented at Kabuki Strength week uh a year ago this year i couldn't get there but i had my wife because i'm tech challenged i had my wife download the entire kabuki strength week pay for it and when i travel i'll listen to the lecture while i'm on the plane and i'll still pick up one two three things i'm gonna keep getting better and if i do that with and those are just two conferences i mentioned off the top of my head there are a number of other quality ones out there if i'm picking up two three four things a year over 10 years that's 20 30 40 things that's i'm getting better daily so your guy to be the example he's 25 when he's 35 he'll have 40 new whether they're protocols or or approaches or exercises or factoids you know spend time on instagram spend time on social a lot of people bash social media first of all it's not going anywhere Right. It's a tool. Use it. There's a lot of shit information out there. We know that. 
but there's also a lot of good information. And it's interesting to scroll down it and pick apart, like, don't always go with a critical eye. Go with an open eye, absorb it, take what you think applies to you or what you think is something for easy for you to disseminate to your people, and then shelve the rest. Don't, don't worry. You don't have to take everything in its entirety. You can just take little bits of things and create your own um, way of doing it and, and test it. Don't just take it and go, so-and-so says French contrast training is the way to go to create true explosiveness. Try French contrast training on your own for a month. I understand that that's focus group of one. Try it with a friend, focus group of two. Try it with five people you train. Maybe you don't have to tell them what you're doing, but just start building it into the workouts. You'll notice things, and then over time, as you piece it together, you know, you're cobbling together your own um, theories. You can say, this does this, or I noticed this, or their, their soreness kicked in earlier and lasted longer, so we only do it during a phase in the immediate off-season or, or, or whenever you do it, but you put something together and it's based on something you, you've learned and applied. Don't, don't think I got my certification from, you know, NSCA, NASM, ACSM, whatever it is. I'm stamped and I'm out the door and I'm good to go. That's, it, it doesn't work like that in this business. So keep learning, return emails, phone calls, texts in a timely manner, and meet people in the industry. There are, this is a very siloed industry. A lot of people, like, they, they gather their shit and they're like, I'm protective of it. You know, it, it looks like people eating in a prison with the other arm out here. Like, don't, don't do that. Share it. It's not proprietary. The right. fact that you do a pre-exhaust with a tricep extension before you go to a close grip bench, ooh, that doesn't make you the guru, buddy. Share that. <laughs> I, by the way, there's so many principles that, it, that came about and we put them to use and then we, over time, don't use them anymore. And then your buddy does them and you're like, oh my gosh, I used to do that. I should get back into that. Right. Bring it back, share it. You're going to get, there's going to be, it's going to be reciprocal if you do it right. Right. So with that, you know, you talked about social media, you talked about always learning. You know, one of the biggest challenges that um, I think that I've noted just in terms of like disseminating the information from what's BS versus what's legitimate, you know, there used to be sources that you could go to like these podiums of like a muscle and fitness Yep. And even as I shifted, it was like, okay, you could go to like a bodybuilding.com. Well, a lot of those institutions obviously have kind of taken a back seat. So with the emergence of all this social media and these bro scientists, experts, trainers, people who, you know, they might look the part, but you know, how does, how does one who's like new to the industry or a kid or it doesn't have to be a kid, somebody who's new, you know, process the BS from like what's actually going to work and what's going to help them. And it, it comes in every aspect of training, nutrition, supplementation. I mean, cause a guy like you is like at the top level in terms of somebody who you're going to get not only just good advice, but the right advice. Same thing with Jim, you know, Jim, when it comes to the supplementation, you're not going to get just good advice, but the right advice. But there's all this like fragmented information across social media. How do you process what you know how to navigate those waters i guess without just picking up a muscle and fitness i mean like i can get some pretty good information or going to bodybuilding.com now it's like those institutions aren't necessarily at, at their peak anymore yeah let's um let's all acknowledge that some of the bro science is actually pretty fun um and, and you know it's pretty fun or fun to do one of those workouts every now and then you're like how did this guy do 60 sets for chest my gosh but it's funny. Um, so you, you got to take that with, with a, a grain or maybe a half a pound of salt when you, when you process that. Um, there's a guy on Instagram and I, and I know him and I've done his podcast and I'm a big fan and um, hats off to him. His name is Lane Norton, if you know him. Uh, okay. And he has a great saying. I think it's data is greater than your feelings or science is greater than your feelings. And it's like, you may love that bro workout. But the science says this, and he, he cites the study. So there's a study that's been done, and it either had, you know, 20 people or 200 people, and it was done over two years or it was done over 10 years, whatever. But there's something to, to go back to. Now, you can, re you can replicate that same study for your own use and say, well, I didn't feel that. 
no problem, but somebody did it, somebody documented it, so that's irrefutable. You can say you didn't, or when you tried to replicate it, you didn't get those results, but at least you're following something with results as opposed to some guy going, you know, let's try this plus this and this today. It's got to be based on something. You And I tell trainers, when you write up your workouts, and hopefully you're writing them up and you're not just walking around the gym winging it because then you're doing a disservice not just to your client but to our industry. That just looks shady. Uh, even the top chefs work off of recipes. Yes, they may have memorized the recipe down farther in their career, but it's coming off of a recipe. So you should be doing that too in your training. But when you do it, it has to be based on something. It can't just be that was the piece of equipment that was free in the gym. So, you know, <laughs> you, you post it up in the corner and you, everybody's doing that today. That's just not that's not a way to, to, to properly um, use the power that you've been trusted with when you're programming for people. But look up the studies. Find the studies. Look up French contrast training. Look up hit interval training. Look up straight sets. Look up what power, what successful power lifters do and have done. Go way back. Learn. Take a minute to learn your history. There's nothing wrong with, like, if you don't think today's artist took time at some point in their career to go all the way back to impressionist art or, or you know, early styles of, of painting, of course they did. They may not adopt it, but they know what came before them. They know what worked. They know what had success and maybe it will have success again. So then they form their own style. You have to know your history and you have to put the time in. You just have to. You can't come out of the gate firing from the hip and, and think that your stuff is the best. It just doesn't work like that. You have to have, you know, 10,000 hour principle. You have to have X amount of hours in the field trying to get better and, and pushing conceptually what you know, challenging things, questioning things, trying them before you just shit on them. You see a lot of that and it's not productive. Yeah. It's not productive. Yeah. Where do you think somebody who, let's say, is, you know, that 18, 19 year old kid looking for, you know, a workout and information, where would you say today? Scroll the gram. Look at look at the studies. Take a deeper dive. You know, Squat University, Landmine University. Look at some of those. Uh, look at Lane Norton's page. Look at Jim Stepani's page. Look at T-Nation, bodybuilding.com, muscle and fitness. Look at powerlifters. Look at, look at yoga people, Pilates people. There are certain concepts that are out there that you go, that's tried and true and that works. It may not be something you want to do every day or for every client, but if you have someone who's who's got a little hitch or something doesn't quite work, there's a way to work around that. I have a lady now who's training with me and, and she says she's having a, a minor surgery and she's going to come back uh, in six weeks. And I said, okay. She said, but I can't do anything more than five pounds. What does that even mean? I can't do anything more than five. What doctor says that? I had a guy once, he said, the doctor says I can't use kettlebells. And I go, but you could use dumbbells. Like, how are you? How are you now banishing kettlebells? Or is there a movement? Or is it the way the weight loads? I just find that to be just such a sweeping um, right. criticism of a modality. It's crazy. And then this lady wrote me back, and she goes, "It's actually going to be July." I don't buy that. Her surgeon in mid March said you can't do anything for six weeks, and then he just pushed it all the way out to July randomly. I look at that and go. He's probably covering himself. He doesn't want her to to re-injure or redo whatever her thing is. But I also think she could train from a cardiovascular standpoint. There's bilateral transfer. She could train the side of her body that wasn't repaired surgically. She could train, you know, upper extremity if it's a lower extremity procedure. There's so many ways around it to just say don't do anything until July. That's crazy. I wouldn't park my car that long without driving it. I mean, at least I'd put it on a tender. Like, do, be productive. Don't always look at how you can do less. Find right. a way around. Right. I like that. I like that. One of the things that I, I really have always admired, and I think you and I share this in common, is how I think, you know, because people are always trying to, Client, I'm going to shift gears here away from some of the fitness stuff and talk more about just like the uh, the lifestyle stuff of how you um, how you kind of choose to live your life because I think that for each each person's success is defined differently 
what do you define success for somebody who let's let's say is trying to be successful? What would what would you say to that person like about you know becoming successful? I think the knee jerk uh, answer to that to to the success benchmark is is always financial in Western society in capitalistic society, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Use that as your benchmark. But but somebody who has more money than somebody else to me is not necessarily more successful. They may be more successful financially, but then you go, what are the trade-offs that, that led them to that? What did they have to forego uh, to reach that that the other person didn't? So I would say the the true common denominator, the way I would look at it is, is happiness. Well, that's hard to quantify, is it? Do you wake up every day happy or are you just pissed at the world all day, every day? Are your rants so tyrannical that like people don't want to be around you because everything you see on the news, everything you see in advertising, everything you see in the gym, you just completely rip apart because because you're just that person. You're not happy. Like You need to find what makes you happy. For me, it's easy and you can go back to anything I've ever spoken on. It's always easy. It always has been and always will be family. And that goes from wife and kids to to brother, mother, father. I have a small family, so you know we keep the circle close. Um, but I have the extended family of friends. I have a solid core group of people, as you know. I stay in touch with them and it, it could be sending a filthy meme or a hilarious selfie or you know, raising a, a, a glass to them and taking a picture saying, wish you were here. But that kind of happiness, that to me goes along yesterday perfect example i had a guy from a fitness company who flew into town he was in town for other meetings he came by to see me saw the gym he's talking about some equipment concepts with me and then i said to him i'm not picking up my son from school today do you want to go by the house and have a drink or do you want to sit you know in this big ass empty gym which feels kind of weird i've already worked out today so i'm not about to hit a two a day in the spring and um so he came to the house and we were sitting outside uh, having a drink and we're talking and, and it came up. I've known him for years, uh, sort of peripherally, but we have a lot of people we knew in common. So we just started FaceTiming them. And of course, they're all answering. One guy's in his car and he laughs and he goes, how are you two together? And then one girl goes, this makes me so happy that you guys are together and you thought of me. I'll take that happiness i'll take that moment with that guy and those people and those connections over a bump in salary any day any right. day. so right. what's your happiness and, and and if it's a bump in salary i'm not saying that's bad and i'm not saying that's shallow i'm just saying that's not my measure two reasons you can't always quantify that that's hard to know is the bump enough is it ever enough and the other one is you can't count on it and, and the, the part B to that is you definitely can't count on it forever, right? Like look at pro athletes. They get these contracts that pay X, Y, Z over a three-year deal. You can't spend it like you're going to make that annual salary into infinity because you're not. That's set in writing. That ends in three years. So then what you do with that money is what's going to pay you. So. If you're making 10 million a year, you can't think you're making 10 million a year for the next 20 years. You're making 10 million a year for three years. Not that that's not a huge sum of money, but you have to realize at the end of three years, those checks stop coming. So you have to plan accordingly. So I don't want to base it all on, on money. Um, I, I, I understand it's a valid principle and it's, it's a great measuring stick and, and it's a way to really quantify something. But happiness is, is way more than just money. Do you think that that's changed as you've gotten older or would you have said the same thing in like your early 20s? Yeah, again, you come out of college, everybody, or you come out of whenever you finish your education, high school, college, your master's, medical school, whatever it is, and you get down in the starting blocks and somebody fires this imaginary gun and it's go. And wow. it's, it's the race to succeed, the race to make money. And I had a conversation with a guy 20 something years about it he was he was a money manager guy and he had very vis very visible and vocal disdain for a guy who I was training at the time in the rap game and he just didn't like the guy he didn't like the guy's whole flair the guy's 
you know, three Suburbans and security. And he didn't understand it. He laughed at him. He mocked him. And I said to him at one point, I go, you know that in terms of the capitalistic view, which I know you subscribe to because you're a money guy, he's kicking your ass. Like you can mock him all you want, but he is crushing you. He's crushing me too, but you're hating on him, but he's crushing you. So you got to stop it. He was much, at the time that guy was probably in his mid to late sixties. And I go, you can't always judge somebody by, by money. Like you got to get off that. I think look at him, that guy's changing the, the face of rap music or, or even entertainment. In fact, you got to give him credit for that. And if you don't, and you want to use your measuring stick, he's still beating you. Right. So, find what makes you happy you should be happy that you've made money in your job that you're sitting here with a trainer which is which is if anything um that's a that's a luxury item right having a trainer that's not something that everybody gets right so you have a trainer you're in here like at three o'clock in the afternoon which means you're not a standard nine to five and you're going to go home to your beautiful wife and your beautiful kids dude be happy, find happiness in that. And he couldn't, he just was dug in deep that anybody who wasn't chasing what he was chasing the way he was doing was, uh, was doing it the wrong way. It, whether they were beating him or not, it was just funny. And, and I think that's sad because then you, then you look up over time and you say, wow, I spent a lot of time in a negative place mentally. You know, it's, it, it, I love that you said that cause that's, uh, you and I share so many similar philosophies and you know that. Um, but you know, one of the things that I always tell these guys in my crew here at the, uh, at the organization is like, I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm literally the luckiest guy in the world I feel. And if I could offer you any advice, it is you want to find something that you're running to every day, you know, that you can't wait to get there. So if it's a job you want to, you, you want to get there. And a lot of that has to do, has to do with who you choose to surround yourself with. And so I, I spend a lot of time talking with, you know, different people say, look, you know, if you're a nine to fiver and you feel like you're stuck and you're doing these things to where like, you know, you're, you're kind of on that rat race of, you know, the next paycheck to pay for and you can't figure out how to, um, how to change your path, you know, to where you do set yourself up to where you're, you're running to work or you're running to the day. Um, there's 24 hours in a day. So, you know, if you work eight, you sleep eight, most, you know, what are you doing with the other day? What, what types of things do you think somebody who is in that rat race can do to try and maybe change their situation to where they can find that happiness? If it's, if it's not so much, you know, a financial aspect of, you know, joy that they're getting because maybe they're not making as much or whatever it is, what are some of the things that you would offer to somebody to kind of change their direction to try and pursue something that, that brings them joy? You have to cut off the dead weight because sometimes the things you're doing can provide you the joy, but the people who are, are in your ear about, you know, I always, I turn sometimes to my wife, I go, I'm not on trial here. Just, <laughs> just when you're like, if, if you're going to start like critiquing my day and what I did with my work time or my downtime and how you think it's productive or not productive, um, we can table that right now because I'm not on trial. So some of those people, and my wife is super supportive and, and, um, tolerant is probably a better word. Like I wake up before everybody in the house hours before, and I, I get no pushback from that. Um, but on, on the rare occasion that, that, that it rears its head, you got to nip all that. You need your circle to be super supportive of what you're pursuing. You actually have to define what you're pursuing first and then you should let it be known. Not, you know, you don't have to be a dick about it, but there's a way to let it be known where everybody gets on board and any of the naysayers don't have the argument with them. Once you've figured it out and, and, and found it out and, and decided to pursue it, don't even, I would not even engage in those conversations. So make sure your circle is supportive. Um, and make sure you know what committing to it really is. It's not, uh, don't put your toe in, right? Jump in. You don't want it to be, 
yeah, I tried that for a while, whether it's a style of training or whatever. If you're going to switch up your training, like if, you, if let's say you weight train and, and now you're telling me your knees hurt and, and your low back is always inflamed and, and you think, I, I really ought to try Pilates. I'll tell you what, get into it. Do it however many days the Pilates person recommends. Try it. Go deep and, and stick with it for four, six, eight weeks consistently so you can give me a real eval of it and see if it's serving you the way you thought it would serve you. Don't do it twice. You know, those people who are trainer hoppers or modality hoppers or diet hoppers, don't do that. No, I tried keto for a week. Did you? What does that even mean? What Really? I was paleo, you know. You're like, if you were paleo on Tuesday, <laughs> that's the, you have to go all in and see what works for you. And then you will pull from it and see. I know people, I just had a conversation with a guy on a plane the other day. He told me he was pescatarian. And I said, oh, how did you arrive to that? Did you, were you always what? a fish guy? And he said, no, I was always a meat guy. And then I decided I didn't like the concept of it. So I became vegetarian, but I didn't like how I felt. So I added the fish and I, and I said, just like that, you just chose it. He said, well, I knew I didn't want meat. So I, I looked at what was close and I went with fish and I thought, so, so he didn't set out to be that, but he found his way and he was super happy and he said his weight was balanced and he said he felt his energy levels were good. So he embraced it and, and you know, you're going to get people say, well, I, I don't think that's healthy. Okay. You could talk to him about it, but I thought it was interesting that he had his whole being had he had accidentally found it and then molded it around what worked for him. And I think that's a pretty healthy way because he seemed pretty balanced. Do you think that, you know, for somebody, cause I, I anybody, cause I have a lot of people who I talk to a lot and, you know, it, it seems like what's, what's starting to happen, at least in this facility here is I noticed that there's a lot of people who kind of come in frequently and I actually have the gym open to pretty much anybody who wants to come train, but it is that close circle, you know, the like-minded people, their kids come in and, and we're, we're kind of building a, a unique culture here. And I find that a lot of people, <clears throat> you know, fitness is such a, it's such a wonderful thing. It's, it's a great, it, it, it just makes everything better in my opinion. And so what I tell a lot of these people what they found and what I'm noticing here is there's different guys who come in from all different career paths, financial lawyers, some have their own businesses, some are entertainment. Um, but what's interesting is I've noticed the, the paths that cross while, while they're working out, the conversations that they have and the relationships that are created spawn opportunities for them to kind of splinter off to find other things. And I'll give you a perfect example. Um, you know, recently, you know, we're probably going to, going to be changing some things up here just from the from the headquarters standpoint kind of partnering if you will with um uh some some professional you know former retired professional uh baseball players and possibly football players to kind of build something that's bigger and grander than even what i have here but we're doing it together and so i try and tell those guys who might be you know in the daily grind so to speak go to the gym you're going to forge a relationship there that might lead you to something different that's going to bring you more joy. Would you agree? 100%. Why? Because you get people in a in a more open state. They're they're vulnerable, they're open to conversations. You don't always come at them like you want something and they're more they're more forthcoming and you you'll learn and then you'll say, "Oh, there are synergies between what you do, what I do and and you know, I told my wife when we got when we got here to Nashville, we didn't have the people we needed. I was so connected in LA. I was there 35 years. Um, how are we going to find this guy? How are we going to find that guy? Within three weeks of training people here, I had any I had access to anything I needed, whether it was a a restaurant, a, a painter, an auto body shop, uh, a pediatrician, because you talk to people in a gym setting. And they're they're gonna they're gonna up with it, right? They're not. First of all, they're not unapproachable because we're all here and it's it's pretty stripped down and and we're getting after it. And um, they're gonna give you honest opinion. It's funny. I heard I had a woman this morning who talked to me about uh, a wedding planner because I said I have a friend who's getting married. She goes and I said you got married a couple of years ago um, in L.A. This guy's in L.A. 
uh, any wedding planners that you'd recommend? And she goes, well, I can't recommend mine because she was a disaster. And she went on and on. And I said, oh, that's hilarious. I actually know that woman and I've heard, uh, I've heard good and bad about her. But, but knowing what you're just telling me, I can't refer her. But she wasn't bashing the woman. She was literally relating her experience about it. And it was completely candid because there's no skin in the game. And I know that had it been a, a favorable experience, she would have said, oh my gosh, call her immediately. You know, I found everything here from 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 dog sitters to babysitters to mobile um, uh, car wash people, any little thing I could need in a community. And I got it from people in the gym. That's right. that's to me. It's uh, it's a it's a great nexus. Right. It's a great where things just collide and and they can help. They can help stop you from going somewhere that you probably shouldn't go that might not end up good that might not end up paying off the way you think and it can also steer you to something that is a i got a painter from a lady here i'm literally looking for things for this guy to paint because i don't ever want to lose him he's so good and right. he's refreshed our house in a way that probably would have cost me five times more had I done it through contracts ever. And I literally got him from a woman who trains with me in the morning and he's a gem and my wife loves him and he's a, a, a jack of many trades and we, that's straight out of the gym. Right. Is it has everything in your life? Cause for me, it's been the same thing. I think every, every major relationship and every opportunity has actually oh. come from the same thing. You know, because I, no, I, 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 I joke with my wife. I think uh, I never I did not see the show uh, Jersey Shore, but someone told me there was a line in it that was Jim is life. I know Jim Tan Laundry, but they said also it was Jim is life. And I joke with my wife about that. And I go, in fact, a woman who was training with me introduced me to my wife and because she knew my wife's sister. And I've steered people towards mates and they've gone on to be married for years a lot of that stuff happens in the gym because the conversation is open and free-flowing and you're all there for the right reasons and and, and it's just good energy if, if your gym is set up that way if you have uh, a nasty if you have a nasty like negative gym that's probably not going to work but in here it works what wasn't there was something that just popped up the other day i think it was uh Bruce Willis, didn't he say, like, you introduced him to his wife? Is that how it happened? Like, you, you yeah. made the connection for him, right? That's true. I introduced him to his wife. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I would do it again because they're both lovely people. And I loved working with both of them in the gym. And they were both at a point in their life where it just it just worked. It just how worked. How relationships do you think have kind of been forged that you know of throughout all the celebrities and the athletes based on, like, the, the gym connection? Well, there are the long-term relationships like Bruce and Emma. There are the, you know, like my wife and, and, and I have been together 10 years. Um, and then there's some of the, let's call them short-term relationships. <laughs> 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 I don't, I don't want to judge anybody. Um, but I definitely know there's some of those happen in the gym. And <laughs> great. I'm happy that everybody, you know, gets to do a little taste test, a little, little sample platter. Uh, it's fun. There's nothing better than to me than the energy in my gym. And what you said, you touched on it before. You wake up and you're just passionate about it. I drove here this morning at ten past four. I could, I didn't sleep great. I was gonna get up at four. I got up at three thirty because I was up, and I was like, you know, what am I gonna just sit here and go? I wish I could go back to sleep. That's not gonna happen. Just got in the car and drove here. I got out of the car. My foot hit the ground and my knee buckled. I feel, oh my God, my legs are so sore. What am I, why am I even here doing this? I need to sleep more than I need to work out. But I got going on it and I'm so glad I did it. Did a little extra cardio, did a little longer stretch. I mean, I feel unbelievable today. And I, right. I have no business feeling this good at the end of a long week. I should feel like shit right now, but I don't. I feel great. And I know in fairness, because my food's been good, I had one drink yesterday, as I told you. Uh, my supplements are on point. Uh, I do take the Alpha Gym, which is a beast. Uh, <laughs> I do. I slam the protein shake, uh, a gym protein shake afterwards. I do add oats to it because I just feel like I need to push that. If I'm going to see five, six clients in a row, the calories from the shake are not enough alone. And the workout comes, the people come in, and it's just – I, I want everybody to have some of this mojo, like come get it. Whether you're getting it from me or whether you're getting it on your own, 
Um, you know, it sounds so corny. Wish I could be happier, but I can't. So that, that's what I get out of the gym. If you're not feeling the same, you should be striving to feel the same. I agree. Well, look, man, I'm going to throw off a couple things that are kind of rapid fire at the end of it. Um, cause this has actually been fun and you know, I didn't necessarily want to get into everything about our history, our past. I think that that's, that's going to be something that we can uh, definitely expand on, but I wanted to, uh, to ask you some of these some things. Some of it, some, some of it. We've had some fun. I'll tell you what, if, if there's, I always say, if you can count five people on your hand that you know you call, they will answer and there'll be, there's no question asked. Um, you're definitely, you're, 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 you're among my five, man. I always have been. I just, you've been, I know that we haven't, uh, you know, always, you know, like spent all the time like you would, you know, like a neighbor or something like that. But honestly, I, I consider you to be one of my closest friends, man. I can't, and I'm so excited to be doing things with you now, finally. And I know that it wasn't forced. It was kind of a natural occurrence. Um, but I do have a couple questions here, just, uh, just random rapid fire. Uh, you've already touched on a few, so I probably already know your position, but just for other people listening, um, alcohol, yay or nay? Alcohol, yay. Oh, sorry. Uh, that's, that's not the yay you meant. Uh, no, look, it, I don't uh, I don't judge it with people, and I don't need them to judge with me. My wife likes a glass of wine at night. I'll do that with her. I don't like to do more than that because it's a lot of sugar for me, and I know that I don't feel great after it. But will I have two drinks on a Saturday night? Yes, I will. I don't um, – I can also go – I went to Qatar and worked with someone over there a couple of years ago. I was there 38 days, um, zero alcohol and zero chocolate. And if you know me, like you got to put me in a straight jacket, not to have any chocolate. But the food uh, that was provided was uh, there was an Italian chef who was a phenomenal human being. And, and, and I just said, I'm big on salmon. He brought me fish that I've never even heard of. A ton of salmon, but a ton of – and and I didn't even miss the other. I mean, I was I spent a lot. Of, it was a lot of one on one time, right? Big swim in Lake Gunner, but I didn't have any of that stuff. So I'm fine without it. I'm fine with it. I don't judge it. I think it's weird when people say to me, "Oh, you're in health and fitness. You can't have alcohol." I go, right. is, that, is that is that a rule? I don't know if you've ever been to an URSA convention, but URSA's uh, International Health Racket Sporting Association, largest arguably one of the largest trade shows maybe in the u.s other than FIBO in germany but all the people from fitness in one area for two and a half days there are a lot of people drinking and <laughs> i don't judge them some of them i'm like do you not get out much i don't need to go <laughs> we don't need to be doing jello shots at 155 last call but um I don't mind it. I, I'm I'm a I'm a sure on alcohol. If you want alcohol, do alcohol. That's fine. But if you're not having it, I, I respect that. No problem. Well, I've shared a lot of drinks over the years, just at functions with you. And I'll tell you what, I love having some tequila with you, my man. Love right it. there with you. I love it. Cold plunge, yeah or nay? Sure, I did. I mean, God, I was a fat I was a fat kid, and uh, when I was in Houston, Texas, playing football. Um, Coach Huggins, how about that? I remember his name. There were about five of us who were not going to make the weight. And he took us to what was then President's First Lady Health Spa. And it was a membership only. And somehow he got all of us in there. And Coach Huggins, all with good intentions, we rode over, I believe, in the back of his pickup truck, which is strictly forbidden today. And he had us go sauna, cold plunge, sauna, cold plunge, sauna, cold plunge. No, no drinking water. Definitely no tequila. I think I was 11. Uh, sauna, cold plunge, sauna, cold plunge, sauna, cold plunge. Then he drove us himself to the weigh-in where at the time most kids were like getting out of their car, just getting on the scale because nobody was at the weight. I had to strip down my fat-ass little body into my drawers. Like I was in my underwear on the scale and the guy looks at it and he goes yeah and i just made weight so i don't cold plunge now i might have a little ptsd from that <laughs> but, but it worked 
it worked. All of us made weight. Um, <laughs> all of us made weight. But I do do I do put the shower on cold at the end. Uh, I you actually do. just saw I just saw a thing on um, I think it was Dave Asprey's page about freezing water in a bowl like overnight and then in the morning crack it and just put your face in it and there's so many nerve endings in your face that you can benefit maybe not to the degree of, to the degree of a cold plunge but that you can still benefit from that look that up if you're if you're pursuing this uh but i thought that was an interesting alternative to putting to immersing your whole body in it right. so i'm yay on cold plunges but i don't think it's mandatory right well i'm there have been a lot of guys around here who've been trying to like say, Mike, you need to do it. And I'm like, okay, I, I did it like you in football in college, but I don't like the cold, dude. Like, hey, I, me too. Me too. I, I don't like the cold. I like it. Uh, favorite favorite food? Oh, La Scala chopped salad, Reese's peanut butter cup. My my uh, sister-in-law, Jill McMillan's salmon that has some kind of a secret glaze on it that's unbelievable. I can eat seven pieces of that. Uh, you know, those three. I always tell my wife, I go, babe, if I'm like electric chair, last meal kind of thing, I want the scallop salad, Jill salmon, a Reese's peanut butter cup. She's like, is there something you're not telling me? I go, no, I'm telling everything. She goes, no, I mean about the electric chair. I go, no, I'm just, just put it out there. I don't know. I don't know. Just in case. <laughs> Favorite hobby, not working out though. Anything with the kids, anything. I, I played, my son wanted to play pig in basketball. I'm a terrible basketball player. Coach K once said, I was at a Coach K uh, Academy or as my friends call it, old man basketball. And uh, Coach K once said that I had the ugliest basketball shot he's ever, no, he's sorry. He said I was the worst basketball player he's ever seen. And I was like, well, that hurts my feelings. but. I'll give you that. And you were the Lakers strength and conditioning coach for a couple of years, too. I was three awesome. years, Lakers strength and conditioning. But remember, the strength and conditioning coach does not have to hoop. Um, <laughs> I, take, I take pride in the fact that I never played on the practice court at the Lakers or at Staples. You never did. Hey, we're going hey, to play pickup. You want to play? I'm like, no. Uh, you don't, by the way, you don't want me to play. But I love the sport. Uh, so I played, I played horse. First, we played pig. And he didn't like that because I buried him. Uh, it was on an eight-foot hoop. And then and then he wanted to take it up to horse. And I said, okay, little man. And I buried him in that. And uh, I felt pretty great. It was doing anything with him and not letting him win, which 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 he understands now. He can, by the way, he can crush me in soccer. So And he's only seven. So, yeah, anything with the kids. My older kids, too. I can't tell you. I have phone calls with my older kids that are just like you hang up and it's like literally tears of joy just because they're such fun accomplished great approach to life my oldest son henry has had different jobs since he graduated from duke and and, and he goes into each one balls deep and he's excited about it and i love that my, my middle guy jack is uh is working for dallas fc the the soccer club there and it's not even that he's such a massive soccer guy, but he just gets so into it. And uh, my daughter Sloan is a freshman at Duke, and I talked to her, and she's had, she had more A's in her first semester at Duke than I had in my, in my whole time there. But whatever. Whatever. It worked out okay. Yeah, it worked out all right. Uh, two more. Fa uh, favorite place on earth, because you are a international traveler. You've been Come on, man. Places. Come on. Read there we go. <laughs> Read that sign. <laughs> it was a loaded question. <laughs> it says, there's no place I'd rather be. And I mean that with no disrespect to any place I've ever been. But just put me in a gym and leave me there, man. I'm good. I love being in the gym. I, I do too, man. I absolutely do too. And last question is a little self-serving. Uh, favorite favorite gym product? Alpha. Why? I believe in it, and you could tell me it's uh, you could tell me it's placebo. You could tell me there's nothing in there but sodium. I don't know. I feel great since right. I've been on that product, which has probably been eight months now. I feel I feel bulletproof. I feel. Right invincible i told this guy yesterday um from the fitness company who came by my house for a drink he goes dude you have like so much energy and i said i feel 
I feel like I'm 30. Like I just feel that way. I know when I sprint, it may look funny because some of the joints need to kick in. It's a little bit like the Tin Man, maybe the first few strides, but I feel so good all the time. Right. And, and I'm not going to say it's just Jim, but I'm not about to go off it and find out if it is. I know. I will say this. I agree because people ask me that all the time. What's your favorite product? And, you know, not, it, it, it's not, it's not biased or self-serving. It is that because I know what happens when I don't take it. There is all. I, I don't know what happens. and I don't want to know. I will say the vanilla protein shake and I'm a chocolate guy and I'm a peanut butter guy. And you guys have the peanut butter cup picture on the peanut butter one. So that like pulls me in. But from a flavor standpoint, that vanilla protein is hard to beat. I love that vanilla protein. It's tough. It is yeah. really tough. But yeah, alpha, alpha by far. I don't think if I could t take everything away from me. Just don't take that. That's right. Don't take my alpha. I'm with you. Plus, I like it when my pee is orange too. So that's kind of fun. What's better than that? <laughs> Man, well, listen, I know you got, you got the rest of your day kind of uh, going for you. I can't thank you enough. Um, you know, I'd like to do this uh, more often. I know that we will. Um, but it has been really a dream come true to be able to work with people who you truly enjoy. Um, yeah, great. You've been um, just a, one of my, I, like I said, you're, you're, you're in my five, you know, my, my hand of five people who I would call. I'm super excited about it. I'm going to be out there uh, in about two weeks, so I know I'm going to see you uh, when I get out there. Uh, just, you know, get ready just to, you know, say, hey. I've got a I've got a tequila shot bet with anybody who wants to take it that he will be doing some bicep curls in this gym. That is for sure. That's for sure. We'll definitely be doing it, man. But listen, G, uh, thank you so much, man, for your time. Um, really appreciate it and looking forward to a lot of stuff that we're going to do, man. Me too. Let's let's tear it up and uh, and see what we can do to move the needle. So thank you for having me on. I look forward to the next one and um, keep cranking out the quality products. And tell Jim I said, if, if in all those tattoos, my name is not somewhere written on his body, I feel, I feel hurt. <laughs> There's some space somewhere. We'll figure it out. <laughs> all right, G. We'll see you, buddy. Take care. Perfect.